You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. On today's episode of With the First Pick, we'll tell you why the Patriots have a surprisingly good chance to get the number one pick and how it could happen and what that would mean for the Bears draft plans. And looking at the rookie quarterbacks, Bryce Young or Will Levis, who do you want as your quarterback for the next decade? We'll answer that and hit you with a list of breakout rookies from week 15 in the NFL. I'm Ryan Wilson. That, of course, is Rick Spielman. Rick, this is episode 107. And before we get going here, how many days until the 2024 NFL draft, sir? 128 days until the 2024 NFL draft on our official countdown board, if I, you can call it that, in 28 days, and then I can just unleash. It's building <laughs> up, and it's like you're waiting for the holidays, the, and all of a sudden, 28 days, it's going to be my holiday where I don't have to filter as much uh, because now we're getting into the serious part of the draft and the, the draft discussions. And so I'm really looking forward to that. All right. Well, you have got some pent-up anger, uh, as you just uh, explained to me and Producer Debo. But let's get to it. Let's start with the updated draft order. And uh, wild times on Monday night, Debo's Eagles succumbed to Drew Locke and the Seattle Seahawks in a (laughs) wild finish. Uh, That doesn't change where uh, they're still inside the playoff bubble, Debo's Eagles are. But the top 10... Did some little rearranging here. And there's a chance, actually, that the Eagles, excuse me, the uh, the Eagles would be something. The Patriots, they're about a 30% chance to get the first overall pick, which is crazy. They could lose out. Chicago, uh, the Carolina Panthers, who won a game, finally, the first game with interim coach Chris Tabor, they could win out. And the old Patriots could be in position to, to get that quarterback there. So if you look at the draft order here, Carolina still uh, has that first pick that's going to Chicago. Then the Patriots, the Cardinals, Washington, who has benched uh, Sam Howell down the stretch here. They're out of the conversation for the playoffs. Chicago Bears with their original pick at number five. The Giants, Jets, Chargers, Tennessee, and Atlanta. And let me start at the bottom and work our way up because that – oh, my gosh. I just can't – we'll talk about this later in the show as well. That Desmond Ritter interception was one of the most backbreaking interceptions of the entire season just from a one-play perspective. It was deep in the – Red zone for the Falcons. There was about seven minutes to go in the game. They were winning seven to six, and that would have salted the game away. Terrible weather. Instead, he throws a terrible, horrible, unexplainable interception. Bryce Young marches down the field and sets up the game-winning field goal. Great win for the Falcons, uh, excuse me, the Panthers, and that loss sent Des Ritter to the bench. And I just want to give you this stat. I saw this in Athletic after after the uh, the game ended on Sunday. For this season, Ritter has six turnovers in the red zone, three fumbles, and three interceptions. He is tied for third most turnovers in the NFL with 16. It's unsustainable, and and he's a great guy. He was a lot of fun to talk to uh, at the Combine. You got a sense of how serious he was about his job, but it just hasn't translated yet to the field. If you're the Falcons at 10, and there's a Jaden Daniels sitting there, Mm. how do you explain passing on him? 
Yeah, I don't know if you can, if Jaden Daniels is their third quarterback uh, or Penix potentially junior, Michael Penix Jr. But right now, it and Desmond Ritter was a great kid. Uh, all A pluses across the board on the pre-draft process. Uh, intelligent. I, biggest issue I had with him coming out was I thought he was a very good athlete for his size, but I really questioned his accuracy. What you're seeing here now is decision-making issues, especially in the red zone, taking points off the board. So, okay, first-year starter, full-time starter. I can ex maybe accept, not accept, but understand one or two times where you screw it up and, and you do something and not take care of the football in the red zone. But it seems to continually show its ugly head. And this was another prime example. It's horrible conditions, rain, wet, cold. And you're right there to finish the game. Just don't make a bonehead play. So why or what the reason was that he made that bonehead play, I don't know. But you can't do that. And you should have learned from your mistakes. I understand rookies, and we've talked about it. We talked about it with Bryce Young. They're going to make their mistakes. Uh, all these rookie quarterbacks, but <clears throat> are they able to learn from their mistakes? And it seems for as intelligent as Desmond Ritter is, understanding the game situation, understanding that that's the fourth quarter. And you know that you're going to win the game probably if you kick a field goal there because it's highly unlikely, although Bryce Young took him down for the game-winning field goal at the end there. But more than like likely, they're not going to be able to move the ball down the field, and you can walk off with a with a game-winning score, whether it's a field goal or a touchdown. But number one rule that would just drive me insane, drive coaches insane, is why he's probably going to get benched again. Don't turn the ball over in a critical situation a game, in the red zone, taking points off the board. That eventually costs them the game. And I believe Arthur Smith has decided to turn to Taylor Heineke, the backup, once again. So the second time Desmond Ritter's been benched, and perhaps maybe the last, we'll see. You, you hope it works out for him, but it just hasn't yet. And that interception that it was uh, Xavier Woods made the play, it looked like Xavier Woods was behind the Falcons receiver to his left, to Des's left. To his right, about about five yards, Cordero Patterson, the guy you drafted, was coming on an over. But there were three Panthers standing there. It looked like he didn't see Xavier Woods. He was sort of hidden by the, the receiver in front of him. And then he threw it right in the stomach. I mean, it, it was worst-case scenario all the way around. All right, let's go back up to the top here, and we'll start with that pick that the, the Bears have at number one uh, by virtue of the Carolina Panthers trading up uh, uh, last spring. There's about a 74% chance the Panthers end up with this pick, uh, even if they uh, lose their next two games, and that checks out. Chicago ends up with Chicago. Pick. Sorry. Right. Uh, golly, David Tepper would love to have that pick. Chicago ends up with that pick. And then we're going to have a conversation from here to the end of time about what Chicago should do with it. I went back and watched last week's win. Close your ears here. The Bears win over the, the Lions and De uh, Justin Fields did some good things, but there's still a handful of moments where the ball's not coming out on time. He's not seeing the open receiver. And these are long, hard conversations you're going to have to have throughout the process before you make that ultimate decision, right? Yeah, oh yeah. No, and I've watched a lot of his games. I watched that game you mentioned, the Detroit. I watched the game last week. And the question is, there's there, well, there's actually no question about his athleticism and his ability to make plays with his legs because Detroit 
he, he seems to run for 5,000 yards every time he plays <laughs> against the Detroit Lions, which baffles me on trying to do something to stop him from hurting you. Keep him in the pocket. He's not a true pocket passer. He still struggles to get through his progressions. He has tendency to hold the ball, but he is a very talented thrower down the field. He has more than enough arm talent to make throws and off-schedule plays and everything you want. I mean, the launch into the end zone at the end of that Cleveland game was a great throw. You know, you gave your team a chance by just putting it up there, and unfortunately, Mooney dropped the ball, uh, and that would have won the game. When he targets D.J. Moore, he has 144 quarterback rating. All the other targets on that roster, his quarterback rating's around 72, 73. So the question is, if you have D.J. Moore, and let's say you ended up with a Marvin Harrison Jr., who also comes from Ohio State, does that propel him to the next level, having two of those type receivers um, as they continue to get better on defense and build around them? But adding a Marvin Harrison Jr. to the mix to go along with DJ Moore, does that elevate his quarterback play? I don't know if it's going to increase what he needs to improve on. And I have the biggest question is his processing. And yeah. when he's in the pocket, can he get through his progressions or not? That I don't know. You know, it's funny, Rick. I was talking with um, our, our buddy BMAC about this on HQ after the, the Monday night game in which Debo's Eagles found a way to lose to the Seahawks and the struggles that the the Eagles offense is having with Jalen Hurts and new offense coordinator, Brian Johnson, and how important Shane Steichen was to what they were able to do and not to take anything away from Jalen. But I think that marriage is one that we maybe don't talk enough about the OC and the quarterback. And I mentioned that as we That's were talking huge. about Justin Fields and Luke Getze, th- that, that relationship in terms of working on the field doesn't appear to be a home run. Like they need to go to some more marriage counseling to put it in marriage terms. Um, their professional relationship. I don't, they may love, they may be best friends. Uh, but I mentioned that because yeah. if you look at the teams that are currently in the NFC that are inside the playoff bubble, uh, and number one, of course, is Brock Purdy and Kyle Shanahan. That makes sense. Mike McCarthy's had a, a, a renaissance of sorts with Dak Prescott in terms of his play calling. Your guy, Ben Johnson and Jared Goff, match made in heaven. Even Canales down in Tampa Bay with Baker. Baker had a fantastic game over the weekend. Perfect passer rating in Lambeau Field, the first visiting quarterback to do that in the history of Lambeau. And then you have uh, KOC, Kevin O'Connell, and the magic he's been able to do with guys not named Kirk Cousins. And even when Kirk was healthy, Kirk was playing at a high level. And then finally, I'll mention Sean McVay and and Matthew Stafford. Those teams are in the playoffs, and they all have OCs and QBs that are on the same page. Yeah, no, that's the critical piece of this, is how those that marriage, as you put it in your terms, I would put it in the uh, football relationship business. Okay. Um, but uh, that's critical. And, you know, right now, I don't know if Getsy and Justin Fields are the right match or not. So, um, but Justin Fields has played better this year than he yeah. has as a passer. So who knows? But it's year two. So maybe year three they go to your marriage counseling suggestion and, and end up becoming a match made in heaven. That could be our racket. We start a marriage counseling QB OC business. Maybe I'll make enough money to, to live in your uh, guest house out there on the Island. That would be nice. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, uh, the guest house, just very humble, uh, little, uh, 
shack here in yeah. the on the island. Just I love like, that you're struggling to find words to describe uh, the palatial estate with which you find yourself. Can All I right. ask a quick hypothetical? I know Rick hates hypotheticals, but. Uh, Debo, don't ask anything until you get a better attitude because you've been kind of, you know. <laughs> you got a bad attitude. If I, oh, yeah. I, I, it's like you're pissy today for some reason, and I don't know why. It's, you know, we need to go to marriage counseling, I think, all three of us. Ryan, who was more pissy at 11.07 before we started recording this? I was going to say, it's a sad day when I'm the, the the happiest person on the podcast. So we got some work to do, boys. What's your question, Hypothetically, Debo? let's just say... The Panthers, they owned the number one pick last year and, and didn't have to make that trade. They drafted Bryce Young. If, if they had the number one pick this year, what would they do? Oh, Rick, what are we doing? Oh, boy. <laughs> Rick doesn't want to talk about this, Devo. <laughs> I'm going to either trade out and accumulate more picks that I gave up for Bryce Young, or I'm going to take Marvin Harrison Jr. Because yeah. I think that would be a home run put him with Bryce Young. You know what I actually might even think about doing, Rick, if I were in Debo's scenario? I might trade down and get a couple first-rounders, maybe, maybe stay inside the top 10, and I might take Malik Neighbors and Roma Dunze. Like, you just have to fix the guys who can't run in the open field. Now, there'll be guys in rounds two and three and day three that we'll talk about as we get to the process, but just sort of galaxy brain fixing the offense as quickly as possible. That could be one solution. Maybe Marvin Harrison Jr., then an offensive lineman, uh, if you're able to trade down one or two spots, something like that. But yeah, so I think no so. thought, no thought to trade Bryce and draft Caleb. No, not where are you trading Bryce? Number one, I would actually the Steelers. I would give a first round pick for Bryce Young. Like I'm not even kidding. In a heartbeat. Oh my gosh, I don't even want to talk. That's how. That's how precarious my situation is. <laughs> that I would love the idea of Bryce Young. I would drive him to Pittsburgh, but I don't think so. Like, do you think there's anyone in the league just? Making you speculate. I know you do love doing hypotheticals, Rick. That would be willing to move on from Bryce after year one for whatever they thought yeah, the franchise quarterback was. Do that. You just it's gave insane. up all that draft capital, yeah. and uh, is it his fault? Uh, some of it, yeah, the growing pains. But boy, we're, we're throwing. Uh, how do you say those terms? It's the baby it's, out with the bathwater. Yeah, it, it, you're splitting the baby in half and throwing them both out in the bathwater. I don't, you know, whatever <laughs> I like the that better. terminology is. My Spillman mind. <laughs> Uh, we'll talk more about Bryce later. That's a little tease, but I uh, just wanted to ask your your favorite hypothetical there. We got a new I got a new analogy out of it though. You split the baby in half, then you throw it out with a bathwater. I like that. Oh, All right, no, let's talk. Halves. Let's talk about the Patriots at number two. Again, as I mentioned, they could lose out and have something like a quarter to a thirty third third percent, twenty five to thirty three percent chance to get that first overall pick. We don't know who the coach is going to be. We don't know what the front office is going to look like in New England. All the reports are such that Bill Belichick maybe will be coaching his last game in, in three or four weeks from now. If you're the Patriots, well, we've said this thousands of times already, they have to get a quarterback. If you're at number one, Rick, and you're the New England Patriots, not knowing anything about the staff or anything, who are you taking? Right. Uh, Caleb Williams. My God. Okay. We've talked about it a hundred times. I didn't Caleb know. Williams if... or Drake May. Caleb Williams first, and then Drake May. I'm going to tell you something that I was thinking about yesterday because we, I don't mean me and you, just everyone in the in the draft meeting, even the, in the NFL, are regularly wrong about, you know, a lot of the draft because it's, it's hard to predict. I might be of the opinion, by the time it's all said and done, that Jane Daniels will be my quarterback too. I eagerly await your response to that. <laughs> Let's count to 10. 28 <laughs> days. 
That is a great thought, you know, and I'm sure a lot of that may be brought up in draft meetings. Uh, he had an incredible year. Next what question. are the percentage chances do you think five years from now, Jane Daniels is better than Drake Mayer, even Caleb? I mean, it's well, not outrageous, right? No, no. I think he's going to be a really good quarterback in this league. Okay. Because what happens is you fall into the pattern, you, we being me, of like, oh, everyone just rubber stamps this quarterback as QB1 or QB2. It happened with me with Zach Wilson. And I, I'm i like, you know what? Maybe, maybe Jaden is going to be better. I just think that's something to – I don't want to be a follower, Rick. I want to be a leader. That's what I'm saying here. That's why you're the GM of this podcast, and I'm just a scout in the corner sitting next to the owner. Yep, talking to talking to the owner. That's right. Giving them giving them some ideas that I may not agree with. All right. So if you're Patriots, you're taking uh, Caleb according to Rick. I think that's right. I think you don't overthink it. You take Caleb and you move on. And by the way, if you're going to be in that division with Josh Allen, you need someone that's Josh Allen like. And I think Drake May has a chance to be a good quarterback. It felt like to me. Tell me what you think of this, Caleb did a better do- job of dragging that USC offense up and down the field, even though they lost five games than Drake did at UNC. I, th- I think that Drake did a pretty incredible job this year with the talent around him. Yeah. I'm not saying, yeah. I, I'm, I'm a Drake May fan, so I'm sorry. Don't apologize. I like Drake May too. Don't no, get me wrong. You're right. I'm wrong. You're, uh, I, it's. As soon as I turn around, you're talking to the owner. I know how you are. <laughs> All right. Uh, the Cardinals are at three. They're not – I don't know what would have to happen for them to get the first overall pick. It's not happening, basically. So there, I think you're either thinking about trading down, and it may even be – you may be out of the Marvin Harrison Jr. business if you stay there, but it feels like the top two picks are going to go to quarterback. So Marvin Harrison Jr., what has to happen for you to trade out of that pick if you if Marvin Harrison's sitting there staring you in the face? Well, they – did get a lot of draft capital last year when Houston came up and got Will Anderson. So first year of the program, will they continue to try to accumulate draft capital? But it's hard to pass up a blue chip player, um, especially at the receiver position and how important the receiver position is now to quarterbacks. So I think if if Marvin Harrison wasn't there, I would seriously consider trading down. Although uh, Fashionu uh, is going to be sitting there, maybe you can get an alt if you move down a little bit. You have to understand who's behind you, how far you can go back before losing one player or two players that you covet. Because if you move down too far and you lost both tackles and Marvin Harrison oh, Jr., then I'm not feeling very good. Although maybe a consolation prize would be a Dallas Turner because they do need an edge rush or two on a defensive side of the ball. By the way, they had the 17th pick as well. That's the Will Anderson trade down pick that they got last April. So they have two first round picks. They can do a lot. Kyle, Kyle Murray, he had an interception in their loss to San Francisco and there's no shame in that. I think he's actually exceeding expectations in terms of the way he's played. We'll see how the front office coaching staff feel about him, but I think that's their quarterback going forward. So that's one less piece of the puzzle to solve. And now you just sort of build around him. All right. The Commanders have benched. We'll go through this quickly and then get on to getting on. Commanders have benched Sam Howell. Commanders fans were quite angry with me a few weeks ago when my last mock draft, I had them taking Jaden Daniels at number four. Well, they benched Sam Howell. You could certainly, they need offensive line help, no doubt about it. Sam Howell's been sacked 45 million times, it feels like. There's going to be a new coaching staff there, it feels like, as well. If you have a chance to get a quarterback at four, and you don't know. know 
your your theory, you may be looking like the smartest man in the room. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> you never know. I mean, Sam Howe, if you looked at the first three quarters of the season, let's say, uh, or eight to ten games, you were saying, yeah, this guy has a chance to be our guy. He's smart. He's tougher than, than all get out. He made some NFL-type throws. He was accurate at all levels of the three field. And then for whatever reason, I don't know what the culture is in that locker room right now or does everybody know that it's maybe coming to an end. But all of a sudden, he has a habit of throwing pick sixes. Uh, didn't look good in the last game. So was, what is the disconnect or why all of a sudden did he look like he was on the rise and then took a big dip? First-year starting quarterback going through growing pains. But if Ron Rivera and and even if the front office is there or not there, they're going to have to make some tough decisions uh, and truly analyze where Sam Howe is and is he the quarterback? And that's one thing that owners are going to ask to get us to the Super Bowl or not. And he's shown flashes of it, but young quarterbacks still too inconsistent to really put a stamp on that. So that that's something else we have to sort out and figure out how it works. Uh, something I want to mention, and then we'll get to getting on here officially. I want to find the mock draft that I did for HQ on Monday. That's not on the website. I want to talk about the Chargers in particular. They're currently at number eight. They're not taking a quarterback. Hopefully They're not taking a quarterback. They have that sorted out. By the way, before we talk about the Chargers, what they should do draft-wise, Rick, are you willing to confirm, deny, or you just want to stay silent? Uh, the report I saw in The Athletic that you will be one of the candidates potentially interviewed for the Chargers now open. Very, very, very happy being in this podcast and sitting in the corner of the room watching you conduct this podcast as the general manager. And as long as I can sit next to the owner in a corner, I will continue. And Debo, to me, although you and him have a little thing going on the side when you do all your coup meetings without oh, me involved in them, I, I consider Debo the owner of this podcast. Yeah, so he's the one you're uh, – there it is. There it is. That's from The Athletic over the weekend. Uh, one of the many – I think there was a list of maybe 10 or 12 candidates that Spielman was on there. Yeah, yeah. Move on, I, people. I tell you what, how impressive is it? Rick, you went 87 and 72 in those uh, 10 years. It's, made the playoffs four times, including the NFC Championship game, and that was the, that was the Saints loss. Is that what that was? Yep. Okay, sorry about that. Yeah, uh, that NFC Championship game – that was the Philadelphia loss. Yeah, I remember oh. that one. And then the other one was the uh, Bounty Gate in New Orleans. We've been uh, we were to the NFC Championship twice. We lost to New Orleans when we had Brett Favre. We had twelve. Oh wait, so took us out of field goal range. Wait, you were the GM when Brett Favre was there? I was the vice president of player personnel. Okay, and that's when Greg Williams got in trouble. Oh, I, God, how did I not know about that? I, oh I yeah, twice in my. Tenure at Minnesota, we got to the NFC Championship game. Well, 87 and 72 is a fantastic record. I think our record here is 107 and zero, 107 episodes to zero. So your, your, your winning percentage has gone up. All right, folks, you heard it here first. So when Rick takes that Chargers job, we can bring this back up to him and ask him what happens. Hopefully, Debo, he'll bring us along to be the podcast team uh, that documents his day to day. Nothing, Rick. Now, this can we move on in life? Yeah, it's, it's going to be a yeah. It's, uh, Rick, uh, L.A. Hallmark. We talked about it. Oh, because, that's right. Oh, you want to know a quick story? I yeah. got an email from my pickleball group since I'm retired. Uh, uh, 
and Hallmark is actually shooting a movie on the island. And you told us you fell asleep when they came to, to the bar. Well, I found out at the pickleball resort that I belong to <laughs> that resort. they're looking for extras for a beach party. Oh, so you're going to be there in your bathing suit? I doubt I'm going to sit there between 10 and 5 waiting to get chosen. <laughs> you know? So you're not willing to put in the hard work is what I'm hearing. You want us to be a first-round pick and just show up? No, I, I, I've put in my due time. If they find my talents as an extra, they will come out and get me. And I, you know, with my representative, Debo being my representative, Damn, to get me into the Hallmark uh, oh, movie as an extra. I'm going to rely on Debo as my agent to do that. I don't I know. It sounds like you're the Dewan Jones of extras. <laughs> <laughs> you like that one, Debo. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll keep tabs on that that storyline as well since you are, are not I did going. make a, a $100 bet to some people in Minnesota that I would eventually be on a Hallmark movie even as an extra. And well, this is your opportunity. Just go stand in line for four hours, and then you can make your 100 bucks. It's actually uh, a six-hour commitment. Which, okay. Yeah, I, I'm sure Debo and would be very excited. We will skip the show if it falls on a show day. <laughs> Absolutely. You want, do, you want me to do the podcast from the uh, Hallmark movie set? We're your with the first pick podcast collared shirt, and that could be a start. Oh <laughs> man, this is all coming together. All right, so we look forward to that. Keep us up to date on that, Rick, because that's certainly exciting news for the podcast. In terms of the Chargers uh, at eight in the latest mock draft here. I had him take taking a cornerback, Nate Wiggins. Uh, three offensive tackles were already off the board. Uh, Fashanu, Alt, and J.C. Latham. So they could have gone in that direction. They could have even gone edge rusher, but they have so many holes on defense, and that's one of the first areas you have to fix. You okay with that? Yeah. No, they need help everywhere. Um, you know, since the tackles are gone, they need to definitely need a right tackle. If J.C. Latham was still there, I would have taken him. Um, but they need corner help. J.C. Jackson was a bust and a free agent signing. The other corner, uh, Davis, I believe. Mike Davis had a up, tough afternoon. <laughs> they ended up benching him, so they definitely can use corner help there. Now, is Wiggins the best corner left on the board? I don't know about that, but I'm going to respect your opinion and go with what you're saying is that would be a great choice, uh, GM Ryan Wilson. Are you taking a GM job? Assistant GM. Okay. Assistant to the GM, as Dwight, <laughs> Dwight Schubert said. I, well, we've talked about Nate Wiggins and Kool-Aid McKinstry before uh, in the fall. And the issue with Kool-Aid, we'll just see how fast he is. And that's that'll go a long way to determining. And Nate Wiggins, I think we both agreed, was better in terms of being more physical than what we saw in 2022. So those are two of the guys at the top of the list. And, and there'll be some others that we'll certainly talk about. And the other thing I'll mention quickly, the Titans are next up at number nine. Again, the offensive tackles are gone here. I don't think you want to take a interior offensive lineman this high. That's, that's what nope. he did last draft, and that's actually worked out for him pretty well with Skaronsky. I had him taking Malik Neighbors. He was a uh, wide receiver, too, and we know the guys can't get open, so I figured that's a good starting spot. Yeah. No, I love uh, – he's my number two receiver right now on the board, on uh, whatever big board you have. I don't have a board or a mock draft. I just, you have a Rolodex. Yeah, I have a Rolodex. He's my number two guy right now. And they would definitely, if Will Levis is going to be their quarterback of the future going forward, tease Debo, because we're going to talk about that, then he definitely needs another offensive weapon that is an explosive playmaker. And Neighbors fits that category. Yeah, absolutely. All right, speaking of teases, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Rick, I'm going to skip skip ahead here on the rundown a little bit because we got, got into the conversations about the, the top 10. And we're going to talk about if you had to take one quarterback, 
to build your franchise around? Bryce Young or Will Levis? Question mark. We'll talk about that right after this. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, one love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. All right, let's get into these rookie quarterbacks. Let's talk about both their games in Week 15, and then I'll ask you the the question of all questions here, which I already know the answer to because I can read your mind, Rick. Let's start with Bryce Young. Week 15 against Atlanta. Terrible weather in Carolina. Probably his best game of the year. No turnovers. Yay, Bryce. Uh, got sacked, had a fumble, recovered it, whatever. We'll take it. Um, I think the right tackle got smoked on that play, if I recall correctly. But again, He's doing a lot of things we, we saw him do. I think for me, instead of going through play-by-play, play, I think that last drive had some really good ideas of throws. I think the weather affected the the flight of the ball and, and the ability to push down the field. But thankfully, his receivers were making plays for him, which is something we haven't seen consistently. So I loved his ability to push the ball down the field and some of those out routes. Mingo played better. I thought Thielen probably played his best game. The offensive line held up a little better than usual. And it all came together, and they won a football game. 18-24, just on 167 yards. Uh, he rushed four times for nine yards. Um, 13 starts. He's 2-11. and 11. He's completed just under 60% of his balls. Nine touchdowns, nine interceptions. Not great, but I think we're seeing finally some progress in the right direction. Yeah, no. And the one thing I noticed is the ball's coming out of his – he's throwing with anticipation, especially some of those deep out routes that he, he threw. Um, they're coming out before the receiver is getting out of the break. So I think he's starting to understand how tight the windows are to throw in and when to throw those balls at the NFL level. And for a small guy and, and everybody's going up, he actually threw the ball pretty well in very horrible conditions with the rain and the wind or whatever it was down there. And it was great to see him because you've seen it when he was at Alabama, when the bright lights come on or they need something to happen. He, he had a fourth quarter come from behind win, which was was a great confidence booster for him, I believe, and shows that there's much more to come uh, in his game as he continues to progress. Something else that I noticed, he wasn't as jumpy in the pocket. It felt like he was a little calmer in the pocket. He wasn't looking to run at the first sign of trouble. And I get it. You get gun shy after you, you get hit in the head 50 times over the course of the first 14 weeks. I thought that was an improvement as well. We know that David Tepper had implored Frank Reich to fix Bryce's footwork in week 11 or whatever that was, and that seems like a not the time to do it. But it just felt like maybe things are starting to slow down for Bryce in a good way. Yeah, no, he looks 
like he's comfortable in the offense. They're doing some things that he does well. There's a little bit more play action and things that he excels at. So, and kudos to him for his heart of a rookie season he has had. He's never quit and he continues to try to get better. And we saw him take another step forward last week. All right, let's talk about Will Levis here quickly. 17 to 26 for 199 yards in overtime. Had the interception, could have had a couple more. Rushed four times for 25 yards. Uh, his afternoon ended when he got rolled up on. Uh, it had a high ankle sprain. Again, the hits this guy's taken, they're not sustainable. The, the sack was just a sack. That's how he got hurt. It wasn't him running and trying to take on a 300-pound defensive tackle. But I'll start with this because as I watch the game, I'm like, Jesus, th- these guys are behind the sticks consistently. And I looked it up. They ran 38 plays the Titans did on second or third down. 31 of those plays, 82% of those plays, were for seven or more yards in terms of getting yeah, the first yeah, down. That's not winning football. Sweet mercy. 45% of those plays had 10 or more yards to go. 18% of those plays had 15 or more yards. I mean, you can't win like that. They couldn't get Derrick Henry going. And some of the throws Will Levis made shows off his arm strength, so on and so forth. The interception was a ball that he forced to D-hop, and it looked like he just uh, either didn't see the cornerback underneath because he had um, – Chris Moore, another receiver streaking down the field that he, if he could have set his feet, he could have thrown that ball 60 yards. But again, I, I think the good is pretty good. And then the, the bad, you do question the decision-making at times, but he got sacked seven freaking times. <laughs> They're in second, third, and long situations consistently. Is there a lot you can take away from this other than he's incredibly tough? Yeah, no, there's no question. And we talked about it on some previous podcasts on how tough this kid is and how that probably is resonating in the locker room. Uh, but he's going to have to protect himself because even on a couple of the scrambles now, a couple of times I understand why he's getting the first down. You know, he converted a third down, I believe, on a scramble. But the only thing that I'm concerned, and the arm talent, I mean, he can make every throw, and it's incredible to see the ball come off his hands. But the decision-making is very concerning. You mentioned the one interception, but I counted probably two or three more that should have been intercepted. And the other thing is, that was the issue when he came out of Kentucky was his decision-making and forcing the ball and the coverages. And, you know, so hopefully he learns from that. I still don't think he is a great processor in a pocket, but I understand he is a rookie, Uh, but he is talented athletically. He's tough as nails, but he has to get better at his decision-making. And that seems to continue to show up week in and week out. So where are you? Because he throws a lot of what I like to call YOLO Josh Allen balls down the field and just letting his receivers get an opportunity to win. Deep balls typically near the sideline. And some of those, as you pointed out, should have been intercepted, even one, I think, either late in the fourth or early in overtime in their game Sunday. Are you okay with those kind of throws to DeAndre Hopkins because he makes those catches? Or do you still want to have a situation where your wide receiver has an opportunity to have the advantage? Yeah, I not think yeah, that's what you do when you break down the film. So I can understand, okay, you're forcing the throw. Why are you forcing the throw? Because it's D-hop and he's got a chance to go up and make a play. But how many guys were open underneath so we can continue the drive and keep the ball moving down the right. field? You don't have to be a hero every snap. And I think he has a tendency in his mindset is to be a hero every snap. Yeah, no, I agree with that. All right, you're starting a franchise tomorrow. You need a, a franchise quarterback. And Roger Goodell has given you a... You can have this one player, but only Bryce Younger. What will Will Levis? Who are you taking to start the franchise? Are you asking me, or do you know the answer already? Oh, I know the answer, but I don't want to get you on the Bryce record. Young. So. Bryce Young. Bryce Young. Yeah, I think so. 
I'm trying to think. Like I, I like Will Levis, and I think he's. Would you admit that he's exceeded your expectations thus far? I do. I yeah. do. I think so too. And Bryce has not <laughs> exceeded our expectations thus far, but there's some mitigating circumstances. But there's two different levels of expectations yeah. too. So that's true. I th- I'm going with Bryce as well. I'm not. I'm not hesitating. I'm just trying to trying to think through the process of uh, of why if why that is and why it's not Will Levis. And I, I think it's for the reasons that we're sort of talking about here. And I think Bryce is going to, if they can fix off the line and get him someone who can get open, I, I, I'm eager to see Bryce next year. And if uh, you're listening to us, Debo just put up a photograph of, of Bryce. Wait, and Debo and, comes up with photos now just off the cuff. It's amazing. Does he use that like Google search thing or how does he come up with these? Debo, are you using quotes? This, AI. Google? this actually, this actually never happened. This is just AI. <laughs> do they play? They might be. Is it AI? No. What do they play? Uh, they played a couple weeks ago. Oh, they did. I mean, I can't remember anything. Um, yeah. If you're looking at, it's a photograph of, of uh, Young and and Will Love's talking to midfield, and and our buddy Pete Prisco's first comment would be, "Look how short he is." Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. All right. Got him on record, Debo. He's taking Bryce Young over Patrick Mahomes. You heard it here first. I think Joey Harrington may surprise some people this year. (laughs) That's Pete from Training Camp 2007 talking about the Falcons and Joey Harrington (laughs) and his squeakiest of squeaky voices. Oh, man, that's hilarious. I think Joey Harrington is going to surprise some people this year. Hey, listen, credit to Pete Prisco for going through puberty at age 48. So he, he finally got there. He did it. His voice has changed, and now he's a big boy. And he still didn't grow. He didn't grow, but his voice changed. So you can't have everything, Rick. We all can't have your head of hair and uh, your uh, power lifter physique. Can't wait to see you in that Hallmark movie. <laughs> all right, Debo, we're going to take a quick break here and do the rookies, or are we going to keep going? Let's take a break. All right, let's take another break. When we come back, we're going to talk about our top five breakout rookies from week 15. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount+. Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day. In the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. All right, Rick, Debo and I were scheming behind your backs once again. We made up a new rule about the um, top five rookie performances because it was basically the same players each and every week. So we decided instead of us regurgitating the same thoughts about the players, even though they continue to do amazing things, uh, Debo came up with a rule. If you've been on the list more than once, you can only get honorable mention. We can't just spend all the time talking about you. And that, of course, refers to Sam Laporta, Jameer Gibbs, and Jordan Addison. Uh, I keep hinting at it. When we talk about the draft classes and grade them at the end of the, the football season, the old Lions and, and Rams are going to be up there. But the the Lions, and I heard you talk about this in HQ, they, they just keep hitting grand slams. No singles, all grand slams. 
What do you want me to say? <laughs> there you go. You can't disagree with that, can you? All right, so let's get into the meat of the top five rookie breakout performances. We talked about the rookie quarterbacks in the last segment with Will Loves and Bryce Young, but there's another rookie who outplayed them both combined. Aiden O'Connell, day three pick out of Purdue, starting quarterback for the Raiders, 20-34, 248, four touchdowns, sacked just once. And uh, watching that, watching his throws, I was getting angry at how terrible that Chargers defense was. Yeah, and it was like a seven-on-seven drill. Honestly. You know what? I, I wrote down, it's like a seven-on-seven seven drill, except for the seven defenders aren't out there. Right. It was. Jeez. Yeah, he, he, he really got pressured, and that's what he is. He's not. He's a pocket passer that if you give him time, just like in college, he was an accurate thrower and an anticipatory thrower. He had a couple of nice shots down the field to another Young lad, fine young man that we'll be talking about. I haven't heard that in a while. Is that coming out in 28 days or 28 days? Yeah, I got to use it to combat your anger. (laughs) So, but he was on in rhythm. They did a great job on spacing routes, getting the ball out of his hands. And like I said, when he's not pressured or he doesn't have a lot of people around his feet, uh, then he's a he, he would be a great seven on seven quarterback. Uh, you remember, in, like I went to a couple of seven on seven camps in high school and you see all these seven on seven camps. He'd be the one of my top picks as a seven on seven quarterback uh, because he is accurate when he has time and he can get the ball out of his hands. And he's gotten better at yeah. going through his reason progressions. But I thought they did a great job from a game plan standpoint, making sure that he wasn't a sitting duck in the pocket. Yeah. And the Chargers did their part by not participating in that game. Uh, you know what? Maybe Aiden O'Connell should be one of the favorites to represent the U.S. in the Olympic flag football because uh, the way he's dialing things up when there's no pressure, he could be the Tom Brady of, of the Olympics. So well, make a note they, of that. I think they're allowed to rush the passer in flag football, aren't you? You are, but I mean, you can't hit him, so maybe he won't be quite as nervous. By the way, Debo did tell me that we have to do some uh, preview podcasts for the, the flag football U.S. Olympic team, so get ready to, to, to grind that tape. So, yeah, shout out to Aiden O'Connell. Great performance. I don't know if I can read too much into it in terms of if he's gotten a lot better or just a little better just because the Chargers, that's one of the worst efforts I've seen by an NFL defense since I don't know when. Yeah, it was, it was, and it cost two guys their jobs, unfortunately. If you were sitting in there, if you were sitting in Tom Telesco's shoes in that game and you saw it unfold in real time, what, what are you thinking as you watched it? It's, it's, it's undescribable that feeling. It's it's just the sickest feeling in the world, um, you know, on just the effort and energy. And it, it wasn't even a con- – that's the same team that didn't score a point a week ago against the Vikings. Zero. Unbelievable. Zero. Dropped 63. Is that what they ended up with in that game? Oh, my gosh. Rick, can you remember the biggest loss you were a part of? <laughs> I mean, like an ass whooping like that? <laughs> yeah. I'm probably not 63 points, but – I don't have an immediate answer, but I can I can do some digging. Oh, I yeah. thought you know, it's an Eagles game that he wanted to bring up. Well, I, I would, I would say you brought up earlier. I, I'll, I'll give you a game that just looked like helpless. It was my first year as a vice president of player personnel in Minnesota, and Tom Brady and the Patriots came in, and Tom Brady. It was like I don't know what that final score was. I can't remember. It was back, I believe, in the 2007 season. Uh, but it was like watching a seven-on-seven tournament. We couldn't stop anything, and it was just 
your head got my neck was so sore because I was like watching the tennis match how fast it went up and down the field on us that night. You want to hear something funny about that game? I remember that game. It was a primetime game. It was 2006, and I know that because who was the first-year defensive coordinator on that Vikings team? Mike Tomlin. So 2007, he gets hired with the Steelers. I was at training camp, and I was talking to him there um, because we went to William Mary together. And um, Did you let him know that you know me? Did you say, hey, you know Rick Spillman? I'm going to work time. with him on a podcast 20-some years from now. <laughs> I, I told him that I told him that we worked together at Ohio State Pro Day when uh, you didn't introduce me. He he seemed happy about that. But I talked to him at that Steelers training camp, his very first training camp as head coach. And I actually said to him, I said, hey, um, let me ask you something. So what happened? I literally said, what happened in that game against the Patriots when you guys didn't seem like you had a chance? I don't remember what the score was that game. And he said to me, sometimes you just don't have the players. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally what he said. And you just, you didn't know, like to your point, like you feel helpless. Like there's nothing you can do in that moment to stop Tom Brady. If you don't have 11 pro bowlers out there to stop Tom Brady. And, and that's what happened in that moment. And it was 60 minutes of, of tough football. Cause I was thinking about, okay, what do you do? How do you solve it in the moment? And there are no solutions unless you have a, like a time machine or something. Yeah, no, it's, you just sit there and it's, you, you just take your beating. Uh, yeah. You know, and that's funny. That's the game. That's and funny. And as a GM, there's nothing you can do about it. You can't change personnel. You don't call plays. You're not, you just sit there helpless. And, yeah. and you're just watching it and taking taking your lumps as they come, and hopefully you're going to have brighter days ahead. But those are <laughs> miserable games to sit and, and uh, watch. That was 31-7. Yeah. I can't imagine what Tom Telesco was going through on that last mm. Thursday night. What would you say, Dino? I can't imagine because I've been there and, and seen that. 31-7, Tom Brady, oh. 372 yards, four touchdowns. Brad Johnson, oh. 185 yards, three picks, and then Brooks Bollinger came in and, and threw another pick. It was it uh, was Brady like 49 of 50? He was 29 of 43. Oh, yeah. not even that good. No. <laughs> yeah, just wanted to, you know, not to belabor the point here. 2011, there was a 45 to 7 loss to the Packers. And there was also a 34-0 loss to the pa uh, Packers in 2007. Oh, that's 2007. Okay. And a 42-10 loss in 2014. It, it, it tends to be the Packers on this list. Yeah. that's Yeah, but I bet you our record was 500 against the Packers through my time there. Just when you lost, you lost big. Yeah. Well, we went down. <laughs> we, we didn't even go down swinging. We just went down. <laughs> you just jumped right off the cliff. Yeah. Uh, Debo's so, taking. It was like that, you know, if you're in a fight and someone throws a first punch and he doesn't even connect and you just go down. And yeah. Just there. Get on with your day. You don't have to sit there and, and clean no. up all the blood. You just take your lump and move yeah. walk out of there. Take the one I will say, don't get up. In your defense, in that loss to the, the Patriots in 2006, number one, you scored. Number two, it wasn't to Aiden O'Connell and in our interim head coach. So you, you get points for that. Yeah, and those blowouts were probably against Hall of Fame quarterbacks, too. Right. Absolutely. Shout out to Brad Johnson. I think he's from Black Mountain, North Carolina, if I recall correctly. Where did Brooks Bollinger go to college, Rick? Wisconsin. No, oh, that was too easy. All right, next up on the list of our standout rookie performances, Week 15, the guy that caught uh, three passes, two of which were touchdowns from Aiden O'Connell, Trey Tucker. We saw him at the Senior Bowl. We've talked about him earlier in the pre-draft process. 
um, early this season as well. He struggled with drops earlier on. Um, no such concerns against the seven-on-seven chargers. Three catches, 59 yards, two touchdowns. Um, Wide-ass open on both. But uh, he ran the route, caught the football, and he provides that team a little juice down the field. We know what Devontae Adams and Jacoby Myers can do. I'm, they're not possession receivers, but they don't have the juice that Trey Tucker has when he's sort of locked in. He's not done what Tank Dell was doing before the injury in Houston, but that was the plan when they drafted him, and I think he has an opportunity to give you a little bit of that every now and again. So progress, right? Yeah, there's no question about the vertical speed, and that showed up on two of those post or deep, you know, the routes that he caught the two touchdowns on. He's still not the same athlete that Tank Dell is. He's a little right. tight in his hips. You see that in some of the routes that he runs on in-breaking routes or anything short where you have to use some athleticism. I think he's a little stiff through his lower, getting into and out of his cuts. He's a little bit of a body catcher. He's not a natural hands snatch and pluck guy but he does give them some explosive playmaking ability down the field. But to say that he's tanked out, I, I'm going to respectfully disagree with you because Tank Dell is a much smoother athlete. I didn't say he was Tank Dell. I said that's sort of how the, the role they had envisioned for him when they drafted him in terms of being an undersized, twitchy little receiver. Okay. Do you agree with that part or not? Yes, I do. 100% with you. There you go. Thank you. 28 All right. Count to 10. <laughs> Next up, I think you'll you'll you can take a deep breath on this guy because this is a layup. Brian Brzee, defensive lineman out of uh, Clemson, went to New Orleans in the first round. And I've talked about this before. He didn't look like a first round pick last year for a number of reasons. He looks like a top ten pick the way he's played. Uh, I think this is the second time on this list, so he is now disqualified from ever being on this list again. But uh, he gave uh, I'll say our guy slash your guy, John Michael Schmidt, a little trouble. The center, rookie center for the Giants. Uh, had two sacks, was extremely disruptive in the middle of that defense, and he's been a lot of fun to watch. And it was over to a lot of it was over to left guard too. I think that they slide Pew inside number six. Yeah, Pew got uh, long arm to the ground at least once that I saw. Yeah, so and that was the kid that was or player that was sitting on a couch two months ago that yeah. came in. Uh, Joe Flacco. So, um, yeah, they must have been. Uh, watching games together <laughs> now they're watching hallmark movies together then they got a call yeah, they got the call <laughs> i know i'm going to get the call from hallmark Debo's going to come through for me fingers crossed uh but no he doesn't play a lot on run i think he only had five snap snaps against the run so they're using him more as an inline pass rusher the one sack you know he's very good at working the edges i think the athleticism and his size and his strength but he also has some finesse to his game as well that shows up. The other sack was on a, a game where he looped around on the outside and got a sack on a quarterback, but he got numerous pressures. And I think you're seeing what we said in the past that you saw two years ago before the ACL and before all the tragedy he had to go through in his life with his sister, the type of player that he was. Um, so that was a, a great, great draft pick by Mickey Loomis down in New Orleans. And I think he's going to solidify that Defensive line, it's hard to find three techniques that can rush a passer that are that size. And he uh, he's exceeded probably expectations on a lot of people. Speaking of which, that that sack that Jalen Carter had on Monday night where he bull rushed the right tackle, uh, the right guard. Oh boy, that was that was special. And I I had said on HQ that Jalen had sort of not disappeared, but hadn't been quite as effective. I think he watched that segment and, and got himself rightly motivated. Yeah. Good thing you like him motivate these guys. I know, right. You're welcome, Jalen. All right, next up, 
Rasheed Rice, this is his second time on the list, so he's also now disqualified going forward. Nine catches on nine targets. That's what we like to see. 91 yards, had a touchdown. He is basically their go-to guy. Kadarius Toney, sweet mercy alive. I don't know what's going on. It seems like it's probably mostly mental at this point. Sky Moore hasn't quite worked out uh, as the the former second-round pick, year two player. But Rasheed Rice, and you talked about this for several weeks now, uh, it was going to be a matter of time, and that time has arrived. And they get him the ball in space. They don't necessarily ask him to, to run deep routes. He can do that. But they say, here, take the ball and then do your thing. And he's been quite effective. I'd like to see fewer opportunities to turn the ball over. He, he does that occasionally. He had another fumble in this game, but he recovered it. But other than that, I don't have any complaints. No, his confidence level is shooting through the roof. And you can see the chemistry between him and Mahomes. And Mahomes is starting to have a lot of confidence in him. It's a lot of underneath routes, the bubble screens. Uh, he's more than athletic after the catch, more athletic than I thought he would be in his run after catch. He had a touchdown on a little shuttle pass uh, near the goal line. Uh, but he's becoming a reliable target, a guy like we've mentioned before, that I think as we see the season continue to progress and through the playoffs, he's going to keep getting better and is going to be the main target besides Kelsey on that offense for Patrick Mahomes. And you can just see like the chemistry between the two. The other thing is that when Holmes gets outside the pocket, Rice has really done a nice job understanding how to get open when it's off schedule. He just doesn't sit there or stay covered. He's coming back to the quarterback. He's given him an opportunity to have another target. And I think that's where the chemistry is between him and Mahomes are starting to, is starting to develop. And they need that because there's not a lot of other options outside of Travis Kelsey, who's been up or down by at least Travis Kelsey standards uh, in recent weeks. All right, finally, we got a three-way tie on the same team. And the Packers have caught a lot of guff, gruff. I'm not sure what the word is. I love them asking you what the word is. Caught a lot of uh, heat for their drafts in recent years. Talk about the Lions hitting a grand slam. This is uh, a triple and possibly a, a two-run homer, depending on how this, this sorts itself out. Luke Musgrave is out, the tight end, who they took on day two with an injury, but he was doing some things early on. We've talked about Jaden Reed before, their second-round pick, who's been doing some things. He's electric with the ball in his hands. And then Dontavian Wicks and Tucker Kraft, the other tight end they drafted. Dontavian Wicks is day three guy. I don't even want to say this out loud, but I during the draft process, I thought Tucker Kraft reminded me a little bit, brace yourself, get your little squeeze ball out, of a mini Travis Kelsey in terms of his ability against FCS competition. That's fine. You don't have to like it. He's showing me, he's proving me right, Rick. <laughs> uh, four, uh, four catches, 57 yards and a touchdown. Dontavian Wicks out of UVA didn't run well at the combine. I thought he had a pretty good week at the senior bowl when we saw him there. He had six catches for 97 yards. And then Jaden Reed is the, the twitchiest of the bunch and, and probably one of the twitchiest in this draft class. And he's getting more and more run six catches, 52 yards, and uh, let me start with this. What if the Packers had drafted, uh, excuse me, the, the Panthers had drafted these three? Do you think things would be a little different for, for Bryce Young? It just goes to show you can flip the script pretty quickly uh, in terms of getting guys to help your offense uh, move the ball up and down the field. Yeah, no. Craft uh, to me, was more of a Y, traditional Y tight end coming out. I didn't see the Kelsey mismatch in the passing game, so I respectfully disagree with you there. It's early. We'll see. Uh, um, but he does have good hands. He's a good intermediate to short route runner. He had the touchdown, I believe, on a screen. Uh, yep. He's getting more of an opportunity because Musgrave was the tight end they 
drafted. He's been out, I believe, since week 11. Um, but so now Tucker has, has really stepped up into that role and is becoming a reliable target for Jordan Love at the short and intermediate route level. Now he got deep on that one with a wheel or corner route that he kind of adjusted. Um, but I don't see him as a vertical deep threat as a tight end. I see him as a very solid on the line Y, maybe some H that's going to be a reliable target underneath. Uh, I've been very impressed with Wicks. And the thing that's impressed me a lot about him is he may not be as fast as some of the other receivers that came out, but he plays to his time speed. Some guys run 4-3, four, 4-4, four, four, but play like they're 4-5. Some guys run 4-6, but play like that. If he's in the 4-5s, he plays up to his speed. Uh, and he's a smooth route runner. He has that flexibility uh, and to adjust with his upper body to off-target mm-hmm. throws. He has a large catching radius. He's not very dynamic after the catch, but he seems to go up and get the ball in contested situations. But my favorite of them all has been Jaden Reed, who I like coming out of Michigan State. I went back and watched some of the jet sweeps they did against the, against the Giants a week before. He's just a dynamic playmaker with the ball in his hands. He's a slot receiver. I want to call. I want to label him a gadget guy. But you can do a lot of things with him. They put him in the backfield and run routes out of the backfield. They put him in a slot. They do a lot of things with this kid. And for a rookie to be able to line up at multiple positions and do what he's doing, I've been very impressed with. Yeah, a couple things. Wicks also uh, showed an ability to rack up the yak, like run through arm tackles in the open field, which is you need to do those things if you're not going to be incredibly dynamic. And with Jaden Reed, something that I kept, noticing is that they put him in motion to help get the leverage off the line of scrimmage. And that's, I, I keep talking about Bryce, but you just see the static offense they run there. And this is a, a silly question, but both second round picks, who are you taking uh, in a redraft Mingo or Jaden Reed? Reed. Uh, yeah. I like Reed ahead of Mingo in the process last year. All right. I just want to get you on record with that as well. Cause it always comes back to Bryce. So yeah, great job by the Packers. I'm actually looking forward to doing this grading the rookie draft classes because there have been a lot of good ones. In fact, I don't even know if there's been a one that I'm like, oh, this is terrible. A lot of rookies were performing this season in part because of need, in part because they're playing well. But um, that's something on the to-do list. All right, Rick, that's all we got. How, how is this like – how long – I mean, I've got to start prepping for this. Are we doing every 32 rookie class? Are we doing like top three, your three, my three? We're doing all 256 players, three games each. Perfect. No, we're just going to – we we've seen so many of these guys that so you don't have to kill yourself to do it. I know you can't not do that. And we'll just – we'll eyeball it. I mean, okay. we've, we've watched enough no, of these players. Yeah, I'm not used to just eyeballing things. I like to actually – Well, I mean, there's going to be guys that on day three that, that haven't played a snap yet, so you don't have to worry about that. We can talk about the guys that, that we're we'll, – there'll be detailed instructions. How about that? <laughs> and, and, yeah, if it can be really detailed so I completely understand I because our Otherwise. owner slash GM of this – or you're the GM – and yeah. our owner of the program, Debo, in the background, if you can just give more detailed instructions on how we're going to move forward with some of these shows, it'd be much appreciated. Uh, you, your your uh, notes have been duly marked down. and Like on Thursday, just to give a little tease. What are we doing Thursday? We're doing top three players that we're anxious to see in these bowl games. And I came up, not the all the names that everybody knows, but I went – because I was assuming, Debo, that you wanted to maybe cover some guys that we haven't covered that 
got potential to be second, third round picks that people may want to start learning their names. I thought the same thing you thought, and you know what Debo said about my list? Boring. <laughs> well, when I put in two defensive linemen or in a, in a center. Yeah, so, I, might yeah. Have you, I might have you add some, some guys to that list over the next two days before that episode. So J.J. McCarthy. Also, we have to figure out to make sure I had to do a double check. I want to do the center from Georgia, but I'm not sure if he's playing. He has declared for the NFL draft, and they're not playing in the um, Final That's Four. Why it's hard to do, like, okay, yeah. well, watch this guy, but all these uh, players are making supposedly good business decisions. I'm not going to call them Yahoo's yet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny about that. I'll mention this quickly, and we'll get out of here. Uh, uh, we're recording this on, on Tuesday. On Monday, West uh, Wester... Western Kentucky played ODU in their bowl game. And I put Malachi Corley on the list because, oh, I'll go back and watch his bowl game. He played the first half, had four catches, and then they showed him on the sidelines. Like, wait a second, he's in his street clothes. What's going on? And this was the third quarter. They later found out that he, it was precautionary that he decided to call the rap halfway through the game. And my question to you, Rick, and this will be a tease for next show, is that better or worse than just opting out? You roll the ball out there, you played till halftime and then you moonwalked out don't and do your that. I, I don't tell me that about the kid i don't want to i don't know <laughs> my first thought bad impression before i watch him again since the last time we talked about him all right so that'll be the teaser thursday show we'll watch uh malachi's four catches and, and then reevaluate I, I would say the playoff teams probably have nine first rounders of the 32 picks represented on those rosters so there's guys to choose from well, I can go there because I'm actually doing uh, with another entity uh, a preview of who to watch. Oh, there you in, go. Uh, All right. In the four uh, playoff games or the uh, final four. There's okay. Plenty. I mean, like J.J. McCarthy hasn't played very well these last three weeks. How's he going to line up and play against a pretty stout Alabama defense? You know, um, there's a couple guys. You mentioned one guy. I'm not giving your list away not named Dallas Turner, but a guy named oh, yeah. Braswell to see how he matches up. How does, you know, um, Texas DBs or their defensive line against a very good Washington Huskies offensive line? Yeah, you know, they, have, they have sweat there, the defense tackle we've talked about previously. They have, yeah. uh, they have another defense tackle, too. Who's yep. It's not Young, there. right? It's uh, Is it Byron Young? I can't remember what his name Everyone's is. Everyone's named Byron Young. But anyway, we'll um we'll circle back. We'll get Debo's thoughts because he doesn't want the boring list. So maybe we'll do the, the big hitters and then we'll do some day two, day three type guys as well. Because uh we like to do thorough around here, despite Debo's. You're talking uh, Byron Murphy, right? Byron Murphy, thank Murphy. you. Yeah. Yeah. The cornerback out of uh the play for the Cardinals <laughs> is now the defensive tackle for the Texans, uh the Texas University of Texas. All right, we'll talk about that on Thursday. So look forward to that. We'll have an extensive list of more than three guys. I can guarantee that, Rick. So prepare to do your homework. Uh, but before you go, if you like what we do here, be sure to tell a friend because it helps spread the word, especially now that it's almost New Year's and we're in full-on draft mode. Otherwise, Rick, that's it. That's a wrap on episode 107 with 128 to go. The uh, intersection's coming, so look forward to that as well. Thanks to all you guys who watch, listen, and comment. As always, thanks to Rick, thanks to Debo for producing, and we will see you guys on Thursday.
When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement for his man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.